0: This evening, I want to read for you from one Corinthians uh, chapter ten, a couple verses uh, in that book around the Lord's table. It says this: one Corinthians ten sixteen and seventeen it says, "The cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread." Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the bread and blood that we're going to share in, the cup that we partake of together that represents your blood. God, thank you for the privilege of that. And God, as we consider for a moment what that meant, I pray that our hearts and minds will be drawn to you in a way that helps us glorify you for who you are. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, as we continue to think about what it means to be uh, Christians, what it means this Holy Week to gather around the table, uh, I, I want us to continue to, to um, think about that night for Christ. Think about the night before He was crucified and all that He would have been feeling and going through. Think about, with me for a moment, uh, the agony, the anxiety, the stress. Think about the, the worry and the concern, so much so that later in the garden, he would be bleeding blood. But also think with me for a moment where Hebrews tells us that it was for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. Imagine all that he would have felt as he sat down at a table with his brothers in the Lord. Sitting at a meal, that's where he came before he was crucified. He could have done anything, he's Jesus. He could have decided the last night before he was crucified they were doing who knows what, and he decides, in his great wisdom and his sovereignty, to sit around a table to share a meal with his disciples. I think I mean I don't I'm not no anthropologist or somebody that would study every culture, but it seems to me that every culture has this places this value of sharing a meal, right? We we may do it in different ways. In ancient times, it seems to be they they reclined at table. They they weren't sitting in chairs like us, but but we all like they did, we value being around a table. We value a shared meal. Usually it's with close family or friends or somebody that you want to be family or friends. You you share meals with people that you love. It is a very intimate and personal thing to share a meal. And so tonight I want to talk about this meal, but I actually want to talk about three meals, three different meals in the Bible, three different places in the Bible, three different times in history one from the Old Testament that is in the past, one from the New Testament that is still ongoing, the present one, this one, but also one in the New Testament that is still yet to come. The thing that all these meals have in common is that these are meals that represented fellowship with one another and communion with God. That as Christ calls us at the Lord's Supper, but in each of these meals we'll talk about, they all had this in common. They were about the people of God sharing and fellowship together, and that's pretty special, but even more than that, they were about communion with the one true God of the universe. Perhaps, again, this I, I hope that none of this is new for you tonight, but I want you just to dwell on that for a moment, communing with God around the table. The first meal I want to tell you about and remind you of is the meal that, that came before this one, the meal that uh, this one fulfilled, that is the Passover meal. Perhaps you know that one from, from the book of Exodus. Some 430 years the people were enslaved in Egypt. Pharaoh had come uh, after the, the time of Joseph and enslaved the people of Israel for over four centuries and raised up Moses, a leader, to come and to, to bring redemption and uh, to free the people from slavery. But it didn't come without a cost. After nine plagues, he promised a tenth plague that would come and that 10th plague was the plague where the angel of death would pass over and all who had not sacrificed a Passover lamb would lose the firstborn son. So the thing that wasn't negotiable was that something was going to die. The only question was what? What's going to die in every household? So the, the final plague happened as promised. And as God had given instructions to the people of Israel for every household. They had taken a, a, a perfect lamb, as perfect of a lamb as they could find. They had killed it, sacrificed it, taken the blood, put it over the doorpost, and then they cooked the lamb. Henry read that passage for us out of Exodus chapter 12. They cooked the lamb and they ate of the meal. This was a meal they enjoyed. They, 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 I mean, I, I haven't had a whole lot of lamb, but it sounds pretty good, right? Lamb is good. It is a, a delight that they enjoyed this meal. Now, they, they enjoyed that meal a little bit differently. Perhaps you heard that as it was read. They, they did it with the belt around their waist and the staff in their hand because they were basically had one foot out the door. They were on the way out. As soon as God gave the word, they were going to be leaving. And so they enjoyed this meal with God's people, in that case, their own household, the family of God. They enjoyed it with, the, with those in their household. But there was one more piece of what they were accomplishing. When Pharaoh finally lets the people go read in Exodus 20, 31, he tells them that they can go out and serve the Lord as you have said. All along, the reason he was bringing the people out of Egypt was to serve, to commune with God, to encounter God. So the Passover meal was about both things, was it not? A fellowship around the table with, other, with your family, with the family of God, but also about communing, being with God. It was a meal about fellowship with one another and communion with God. And it came at great sacrifice, great cost. Something had to die. And so in that case, it was the Passover lamb. The lamb was sacrificed in the place of the firstborn child so they could have the freedom to go and to worship. That brings us then to the second meal. It's the meal that the people of Israel celebrated on and off, unfaithfully, of course, but... For 1,500 years, they celebrated the Passover meal. Even as you read of the initial Passover in Exodus 12 and 13, he's already setting up the place for them to to practice this on a yearly basis. And so, unfaithfully or not, they continued that practice. And so when we read of Jesus preparing the Passover meal with his disciples, it was the same Passover meal that they had celebrated for all those years. And at that point in Israel's history, The Passover meal had a very clear structure to it, the way it should be set up and the the process and all the orders was supposed to go a certain way. And so when he tells them to his disciples to go ahead and prepare, that would have taken some time. They would have had to get everything set up. And yet when, when you read in Matthew, Mark or Luke of the way that Jesus did it, he goes off script a little bit. He does something a little different in the meal. He he talks about, takes a loaf of bread and breaks it and said, this is my body. And then after the bread, he takes a cup and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus made a a different meal within that meal. And there's one really important thing that was missing. Do you notice what's not mentioned in the Lord's Supper? There's no Passover lamb. Now, I don't know. I, you know. I'm sure commentators and other people disagree one way or the other. There may have actually been one there. I don't know if they did or not. But it's not mentioned. It's not a part of the Lord's Supper. We don't continue with the Lamb. We don't celebrate with the Lamb tonight. We have bread and a cup. Why is that? Because Jesus was the Lamb. He's the fulfillment of the Passover. Jesus didn't need to tell them to take a different lamb because he became the lamb. The Passover lamb had been pointing forward to Christ all along, the one who would be sacrificed in our place. That day in our lives, a death is guaranteed. The only question is, whose death is it? Ours or Christ's in our place. That's what the Passover was about, and that's what Jesus was fulfilling, and that's what he's now passing along to the church with this new meal, a second meal, the Lord's Supper, as we now call it, the body, the bread that was broken, the blood that was shed, the blood of the new covenant. It's been fulfilled from the Old Testament. Now we have this new covenant. Jesus enjoyed that meal with his disciples around the table. It was a meal of fellowship, but it was also a meal of communing with God. The disciples, I imagine, and at least Judas was totally missing it that night, And many of the others, I'm sure, had begun to take Jesus for granted. They'd been following him around and listening to his teaching and confused and seen the miracles. So I'm sure they didn't feel the weight of it. But just imagine going back and being Peter that night, being John. Well, Peter's a bad example because he's about to deny Jesus. Okay, pick somebody else. Take John, the beloved disciple who leans against the chest of Jesus. Imagine being with Jesus in that moment. You are communing with the Son of God, the one who is the image of the invisible God. Imagine sharing a meal with Jesus the night before He's crucified. You know what the good news is? And it's different, but that's what we do in taking the Lord's Supper. We are communing with the God of the universe. We are taking of His body that has been broken for us. We are taking of this cup, the blood that has been shed for us. We are fellowshipping together as a faith family, and we are communing with the God who made it all possible. How how, how can we possibly have the right to enter into His presence? Surely we don't deserve that. Absolutely we do not. uh, Galatians 3.13 is why it's possible. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The reason that the, we are not cursed and unable to enter into God's presence is of what Christ did, the breaking of His body. He took the curse by going on the tree. And in place of that curse, we instead get a blessing. I read already 1 Corinthians ten sixteen: the cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? You get to participate in the blood of Christ. You get to have Christ's blood taken on your behalf, shed on your behalf, and you get to be united to Christ, you in Christ, Christ in you. That's what we celebrate with the Lord's Supper. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we're participating in the broken body, the shed blood, so that we can be united to Him. I don't know who the most famous person you've ever been able to share a meal with. Maybe some rich and famous person, maybe just some wealthy person. You know who one of my favorite people to share a meal with is? having a date night with my wife. (laughs) Having a meal is such a beautiful and wonderful thing. And for Jesus and the disciples, as as all the agony that was still to come that night and the next day, I just have to imagine there was a, a sweetness to that moment. And that's the moment He passes on to us as we partake in the Lord's Supper every time that we do. I promised you three meals. I gave you the Passover meal and I gave you the Lord's Supper. But I want to tell you of one more meal still to come. We read about it in places like 1 Corinthians 11:26, that it kind of anticipate this meal. At the end of our, our Lord's Supper, the way we read it at 1 Corinthians 11, it says we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, which means that we proclaim with this meal His death was enough. We, we don't need another death. We proclaim Christ's death. That's what we, we stand on until he comes back. We're waiting for him to come back. And also in places in the gospel, like in, in each of the accounts, but like Mark 14, 25, Jesus says, I won't drink again of the vine until I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So he says, I just had this meal, and then I'm not going to drink this until there's another meal coming. And whatever else he may have in mind, he's got two meals in mind. This one, and then another one later. We get a picture of what that meal is, Revelation 17, 7 to 9, that Henry read for us. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linens and bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a third meal that's coming. There was the Passover from the Old Testament that was fulfilled with the Lord's Supper in the New Testament, but it's pointing forward to yet a third meal that's still yet to come. But the purpose of that meal is the same as the first two. They are meals that are about fellowship, one with another, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, but they're about communion with God. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, we will rejoice that God has accomplished all that He says accomplished, that it has all been fulfilled. It is finished forever and ever. It is done. It's been fulfilled, and we will commune with God. It's the same way the Passover was intended, communing with God, the same way we commune with God now as we take the Lord's Supper, so we will celebrate in for all of eternity. Jesus is described here in this marriage supper as what? <laughs> a lamb. And there it is, connects all the way back to the Passover. It's a marriage supper of the lamb, the one that was crucified, the one that died in your place so that we could have a relationship with God. He died so that we could be with Him.